Oh, may the peace of the Lord be with you all. That was really well done. You know, I, I, let's do this one more time. What we want to do this time, let's actually do it. Let's, let's extend the peace to each other. All right? So here we go. May the peace of the Lord be with you all. Thank you. Thank you. I, I tell you, if we were together and we were sitting down around coffee or something like that, I'm sure we could have a lot of not peace stories right now. I, I needed that. I needed, I, I literally wrote in my notes, I needed that. Um, I, I don't know anybody right now who doesn't have some of those peace robbers that Pastor Dan talked about in, in week one. I don't know anybody that doesn't have some of those um, that are trying to rob the peace in our lives right now. I mean, there's a lot of big things going on. There's an unsustainable pace that a lot of us are running with impossible expectations, and then they get amplified this time of year. Many of us are watching people that we love really struggle through significant health concerns. Uh, many of us have lost people just recently that we care about. Many of us are facing challenges right now when it comes to our health, physical health, mental health. The series that we just wrapped up isn't really wrapped up. This series, this important series that we had on gender and identity, the series may have come to an end, but there's still so many questions. There are still so many pressures. There's still so much confusion out there. There's so much conflict out there. Marriages are struggling. Families are struggling. Friendships are struggling. Some people feel trapped in relationships. Others long to be in a relationship. We've got employers that are having to tell their teams, okay, we got to cut price. We have to raise. We have to raise our prices, but we got to cut the payroll. We have to do those things. And then many of us are watching investments go down as those prices go up. It's been an especially hard season for parents. They're watching their kids get pulled towards trends and towards folks that, that do not have their best interests in mind. And even as I said, it's especially hard for parents. It's also especially hard for kids and teens, as we've said so many times. They're experiencing record levels of anxiety, depression, it's especially hard, young adults right now. So many of them coming with record debt, trying to go into an unstable job market where the prices for the necessities are insane. Housing, insurance, I'm seeing a lot of nods right now. Uh, vehicles. And one of the things that makes us so stressful right now is the systems that we once depended on are in more chaos than at any other time in my life. Government, schools, healthcare, law enforcement. And so you take all of this, and much of this is leading to behaviors on the, heart of on the part of people as they're trying to cope that aren't making it better. They're, they're making it worse. You've got a lot of people trying to escape, whether it's for a short period of time or long period of time, through entertainment, through scrolling, these types of things that make you feel good for a while but don't solve any of the problems and just delay them and actually give them space often to grow. Self-harm is up again. Substance abuse is up again. And so many of these new drugs that are really, really easy to get are really, really dangerous. The fear of getting shunned or canceled has us hiding things that we'd be better off confessing. And oh, there is so much pain associated with people who they look back on things that they did and they have so much regret. And for those who are holding out hope that if we just hang in there, it's going to get better. I'm not so sure about that. 
I've got a lot of people that I, that I meet with. Um, in fact, I'm meeting with one of them on this, this Thursday. People who I love to meet with because they keep their eyes out on the horizon. And they're really good at saying, all right, I see what's happening. If these things all converge, here's the likely outcome. And there are some extremely unsettling trends that are all converging at once. If you can feel the ground, it's like the ground is shifting underneath us. If you have a feeling that these shifts are going to affect almost everything, you're right. They will. And sometimes those shifts are exactly what the world needs. The Jesus movement is a great example of that. We needed that massive shift. Anti-slavery movements were an example of that. Early child protection movements were an example of that. Those were good shifts. But if you're sensing that what we're experiencing right now isn't that, you're right. It's not. There are so many reasons why we shouldn't feel peace. So many reasons why I'm so thankful for you guys to pass that peace my way and that I was sincere when I passed it your way because if you don't have peace, it's hard to focus on anything else. Can I get an amen to that, by the way? If you don't have peace, you, you can't focus on anything else. You can have money in the bank, but you can have no peace in your heart. You can be married with two cars in the garage, 1.7 kids, a hypoallergenic dog, and you can still have no peace. And let me get, some of you can relate to this one. You can be a Vikings fan. And, <laughs> and you can have a 9-2 record. Well, it, stick with me. Last Sunday, you could have a 9-2 record, and you can have a home game... You can be against a team that is starting their backup quarterback. You can be ahead 20 to 3. Did you have peace? I didn't have peace. I didn't have peace. Because we know what it's like to prepare, to think, hey, this could be the time. Just to have your hopes get dashed. But we are 10 and 2. We are 10 and 2. Peace. It's something that we long for on a deep, deep, deep level. If you don't have peace, it's so hard to enjoy anything else or focus on anything else. If you're taking notes, I want to invite you to write this down. Peace is one of our core longings. Peace is one of our core longings, and not just any peace. Not the kind of temporary peace you find in a pill or a bottle or electronic device, some other form of escape. We long for a peace that transcends circumstances. We long for a peace that surpasses understanding. We long for a peace that can keep and guard our hearts and our minds. We long for the kind of peace that Jesus of Nazareth cast a vision for. We were made for that kind of peace. The kind of peace that he extended to his disciples. And if you're just joining us, this Christmas season, what we're doing is we're opening up our Bibles to the book of Luke. And we're looking at what Luke says about peace. Why Luke? Because Luke is one of two places we can find the Christmas story in the Bible. And on that very first Christmas Eve, a multitude of heavenly hosts appeared, according to Luke, and they said these words, glory to God in the highest, and on earth what? Peace. On earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. This Christmas season, what we're doing is we're working our way through Luke and we're hitting pause at least five times when we see this word peace. Together, what we're going to try to do is learn what can we learn about peace from each of those instances when it's used and how can we experience more of that kind of peace in a world like ours.
Well, in preparation for this series, I thought, you know, it's been so long since I've done a word study on peace. So I pulled out my Bible dictionaries and I, and I took a look. And I tell you, I am not sure that there is a word in the entire Bible that has a richer, more loaded meaning than peace. Here is a partial list. As Dan mentioned in week one, there's a Hebrew word for peace. The word is shalom. And here is a partial unpacking of the blessing that we just did. When we blessed one another with the peace of the Lord, this is a partial list of what we were blessing each other with. Here we go. Shalom. It is the desired state. It's a condition of law and order that results in blessing and flourishing. It's related to health and safety and prosperity and security. It's relationally holistic. It's about peace with God, yourself, others, with the world around you. It's derived from a verb that means to finish or make sound. That same verb that verb that's derived from, it's used to express, express the completion of the Jewish temple and the walls of Jerusalem. It can refer to restoration, the repaying of debts. It can be used to inquire of the welfare of individuals or groups. Shalom is associated with ethics and justice and righteousness. It's associated with the absence of war and violence. It's associated with reconciliation and the laying down of weapons, friendship. I love this. It's a, quote, covenant of shalom. Wouldn't you want to have a friend who is in a covenant of shalom with you. All right, so this is just a partial list, and this is just from the Old Testament. The Old Testament, originally written in Hebrew, New Testament, originally written in Greek. The Greeks have a different word. It's irene, but it basically, when it's used in the Scripture, it's referring to shalom, and it builds on that. Irene is used the same way that shalom is used in the Old Testament. It's found at the beginning or the end of most of the New Testament epistles. Irene is a gift from Christ. Christ is our peace. The gospel is the gospel of peace. Irene is a peace that transcends all understanding. It's able to keep and guard our hearts and minds. It's an essential characteristic of the Messiah's kingdom. And I love this one. It's a tranquil state of those who are in Christ, fearing nothing from God, and are able to access contentment in the midst of chaos. <laughs> With a show of hands, who would like to have more of that kind of peace? This is why we bless each other with peace. Last week, I love this. Pastor Jason, he mentioned peace that the Bible describes. It is offered, but it's not, op- or it's offered, but it's optional. Offered, but optional. It's something we opt into. And today's passage can help us with that. Today we're going to open up to Luke chapter 10, and here's the question that today's passage is going to help us with. How can we experience more shalom at home? That sounded really cliche-ish or rhymey-rhymey, but it's hopefully be memorable. How can we experience more shalom at home? That's what we're going to look at today. What if, between now and Christmas, with God's help, what if our homes could be a refuge of shalom? Wouldn't that be something? Like the, the place where you could go to experience that. What if our homes could become spaces where we experience more shalom? Shalom in our relationships. Shalom when it comes to money. Shalom when it comes to having nothing to hide. Shalom when it comes to having a deep sense that our creator, he's watching over us and protecting us and guiding us on the path that this home, we're okay. We're on the path. This is where God would have us right now. All right, well, if you want to opt into that, let's open up to 
Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. If you don't have a Bible at home, we want to invite you. You can go to Bible.com. They have a wonderful app that you can download for free. Um, We encourage you to do that. All right, well, in our last series, this was interesting. Our last series, we were working our way, and we were in Matthew, and there's what's called a parallel to this. We, We already looked at Matthew's version of this, but it spoke to some other things we were talking about. There are so many layers to Scripture There's so many different, you come to Scripture, and it has so much to say about so many different things. All right, so the context for this particular passage is this. Jesus had been engaging in public ministry for about three years, and now he was on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus knew what was waiting for him in Jerusalem. He would be betrayed, he'd be arrested, he'd be executed. This would be the last chance that people would have to see him before he was killed. So keep that in mind. So Jesus appoints then several of his followers to go ahead of him as he's on his way to Jerusalem to prepare the way. And we pick up with this in Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 2. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, this was interesting. If you compare ancient manuscripts, some of them say he sent 70. In fact, some of your translations may say he sent 70. Others say he sent 72. The reason you get different translations of different Bibles is because Different ancient manuscripts use those different numbers. Now, the discussion among scholars as to why, it's fascinating. It would take more time than we've got to get into all of those nuances. But here's the big picture. The early church, the people that were doing their best to capture and record what actually happened, what words do we use to describe this, they apparently recognized this was more than a moment. So those that went with the 70, they were trying to capture one Old Testament link between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Those that used 72 were trying to do the other, another Old Testament link. But both of them, they were trying to say, what we're seeing now is more than just a moment. This is the fulfillment of history. This is a moment we've been waiting for, which is all the more reason for Jesus to instruct his followers to pray earnestly. As you'll see as this passage unfolds, there is a sense of urgency here. They had a short window of time. And it was closing fast. All right, let's continue with our text. These are still Jesus' instructions. Verses 3 through 6. 3 through 6. All right, go on your way, Jesus says. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one else on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. Peace of God, it's opt-in. It's opt-in. All right, let's jump ahead to verses 8 through 12. These are still Jesus' instructions to those he sent ahead. All right, 8 through 12. Uh, Here we go. Whenever you enter a town and they what? Receive you 
Eat what is set before you. Heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day, on that day for Sodom than for that town. All right. We're going to talk about those highlighted words in just a minute. First, I want to just comment on that whole shaking the dust off your feet piece. It might sound very harsh to us, but it's consistent. It's consistent with this urgency that Jesus has. In Luke 9, 51, Jesus says, or it says that Jesus set his face like flint towards Jerusalem. He knew what was happening. He knew where he was going. He was on his way there. Jesus would not pass this way again. Wouldn't pass this way again. And if the people weren't receptive to the good news that he was going to bring, they would spend the rest of their life not experiencing that peace in their house, that peace in their life, that peace going into eternity. This was their chance. In this passage... What's the primary difference between a home that experiences the peace of Christ and the homes that don't? It was those two words I highlighted in red. I encourage you to write this down. A house of peace is receptive. It's receptive to the Prince of Peace. This was so good doing this Bible study. I didn't go in, oh, what can I find a verse to prove my points? It was like digging in here. It was so receptive. Doesn't that make sense? You're receptive to the Prince of Peace. The title for the series comes from an ancient prophecy we find in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. It goes like this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of? Prince of Peace. A house of peace is a home that welcomes the arrival of the Prince of Peace. Several times as I was preparing this message, I kept coming back to Talk to our teens, talk to your young adults here. Because a lot of times we think we hear this about a house. You're like, uh, well, okay, I live with my parents, but like, it doesn't feel like it's my house house. Think room. Think dorm room. Think apartment. This, this, this applies. You know, are you welcoming him into your space? Or do you have this space where it's, he, he's not welcome? If that, if that makes sense. Don't stop him at your door. The door to your room, the door to your dorm, the door to your apartment. Welcome him in because he wants to give you more peace. Wants to give you more peace. Wants to set you free from that anxiety that's wrecking you. It's about finding and keeping real friends. That's what he wants for you. This this lack of peace that you have about future and all these choices in front of you. And he wants to protect you. I've shared... I think this, this story before was a huge eye-opener for me. It happened, I was um, a young 20-something, and I was leading a camp with, it was me and a bunch of high schoolers and a couple college people, and we're leading this camp for kids. I mean, and a lot of these, like I'm trying to recruit whoever I could find, and so I've got these kids who are barely Christian, if that's even a thing. I don't know if it's a thing. If it was, they fit that category. So we, we've got this camp, and, and we were having a lot of trouble with one of the guys' cabins. And I'm like, what is going on? And so um, the, that cabin was in an activity. I'm just like, I'm just going to go check out their, their cabin. And I go in there, and there was music playing. No one was in there, but music was playing. And have you ever 
been in a situation where you're like, there's something in this music. Okay, this room just came alive. Maybe you've experienced that too. There was something in that music. And we took that music out and that cabin changed. And that was one of those moments where I'm like, okay, this is, this is real. Um, <laughs> one of the things, if you have your Bible open, just look to the left, look to the right if it's a paper Bible. If you if you got it on your, your phone, scroll up and scroll down. You don't have to go far and you see references to demonic activity. There, we, we, we were talking as a teaching team, as soon as we're able, it's, we've got a couple things in the queue right now, but as soon as we're able, we want to do a series straight up called The Devil is Real and. I think we need to have this conversation. The Devil is Real and. When you opt out of inviting the Spirit of Christ into your home, into your room, into your music, into whatever it is you're doing. You have left this open door for these spirits that the scripture, the same work here, the same book that Luke is like, I carefully investigated these things. Here's the accurate account of the life of Jesus. That same person records these other spiritual dimensions that now have access to us because we don't have that shalom in our space. So you don't have to go far, like I said, before or after this passage, before you find documentation for real demonic activity. It affects people's lives far more than we think. Far more than we think. So again, we made that one small change in that cabin and it changed them. In fact, one more thing I just want to say on this before we continue to move on. In the epilogue to this passage that we read, the disciples, they, they got sent out. They come back. And their eyes are big. They're like, okay, so Jesus, even the demons submitted to your name. And he's like, yeah, they did. I saw him fall like lightning. I saw him fall like lightning. That's the kind of shalom we have access to. Not even demonic elements can come where Jesus is welcome. Oh, man. All right, you want to experience real peace? I encourage us all to do this. Let's prepare our homes for a fresh advent of Christ this Christmas. Let's invite, it's yes to all, relationships, physical spaces, finances, media entertainment choices, music, secrets, habits, calendars, priorities, rhythms. Let's give no footholds for the evil one. You know, when I was younger, um, this took a lot more faith because when I was younger, I used to think, God, I don't want to give you control of this because you're keeping me from what I really think I want. I think one of the reasons some of my friends are laughing here is because the older we get, the more we realize, oh, man, you can see it. You can just see what happens. Like, it's not so much faith. You're like, this is good for us. This is good for us to listen. I think that song we opened with, isn't that the one that's got, for he is good, for he is good. I mean, just, he is good. So I want to encourage you, take an inventory. Reflect on these things. 
as an individual, the relationships, the spaces. Where is Christ welcomed in my spaces and where is he not? Get the stuff that's not out of your life. So he's welcome everywhere. So shalom is everywhere in your space. We've got one more thing we encourage you to write down. This is it. Those who hear God's word and put it into practice. They're like a wise person who built their house on what? On a rock. On a rock. Imagine if your home was that place where you're experiencing more and more peace. Imagine if your home was a place you're experiencing the God who never leaves you, never forsakes you, because you're not walking away from him. Imagine your home, your space. This is where you can come back to experiencing that guidance when you feel lost. Imagine experiencing his strength when you feel weak. Imagine experiencing his comfort when you're hurting or when you feel afraid. Your home could be an oasis of shalom, in a wilderness, a chaos. But again, it's an opt-in. Here's one last quote, and then I want to provide an opportunity for us just to do that right here, to just opt in. Here's the quote. Peace isn't found in the absence of problems. Peace is found in the presence of God. Isn't that good? Any of you use more peace in your life? Well, this Christmas season, let's do it. I was commenting earlier, we were just talking before we started going with the cameras, and I was looking at the Advent countdown calendar. We're on three of four. I hope we have a sense of urgency. Let's do it. Let's take this Christmas season to be the time we say yes to all, God. We want you to come in. And however big that space is, maybe it's a room in your house, maybe it's the whole thing, whatever you can, let's start carving out that space, welcoming the peace of Christ in it. And then what we'll do is we'll pray to that end, and then we'll just do something here that you could also do at home. We'll be dimming the lights, bringing out a Christmas carol that speaks to what happened on that first Christmas. This is the kind of thing we can do when we're feeling that stress, that anxiety. Instead of just escaping it, scrolling or whatever, what if we just took those moments, sit by the tree, put on the song, just experience God's shalom. So let me pray and then let's do that right here. And I want to encourage you, do that at home, wherever you are. Put away the distractions. Let's do this together. Let's pray first. Father, May this be the year where we opt in. We say yes to all. We give the devil no foothold in our spaces. We say this is a house of peace. This is a space of peace. Lord, we pray right now that you'll fill our minds with what are those things. Maybe it's a specific object. Maybe it is a, an app. Maybe it's, it's a show. Maybe it's a relationship that's, that's following us home in, in the wrong ways, whether we're, we've got bitterness that we need to let go of, whether it's something else. Lord, we pray that we could opt into your peace. Lord, we pray that in the, the weeks ahead, you'll help us to find, okay, I don't have peace with money in my home. Lord, we pray that you'll help us to find those principles that you've got that can help us experience more peace. We pray for all these other things. Lord, secrets. Lord, we pray that we could have a home where we don't have to keep secrets. Lord, we pray for these spaces to experience more and more of you and less and less of the stress and the anxiety and the chaos. Holy Spirit, bring to our mind those things we can lay before you. And Holy Spirit, we pray right now for this space, that you could invade this space that we're in, 
Help us to experience your peace right now. And wherever our friends are who are on the other side of the screen, Father, we pray that they could experience your peace right now in their car, in their, in their living room, wherever it is that they're watching, at work, wherever it is they're watching, they could experience this moment of peace right in that space where they are. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.